0: Today, I'm sharing the third in the Easter series and I'm speaking about the resurrection. When Jesus gave up his spirit to his father, he then descended in his spirit on a mission of great purpose. Below him was a place called paradise and next to paradise was a place called Hades. Jesus had spoken about these places when he told the story of the rich man and Lazarus the beggar. The rich man, who lived sumptuously in arrogant self-indulgence all of his life, ended up in Hades. And Lazarus, who lived the life of a humble beggar at the gate of the rich man's house, begging for food, for scraps from the rich man, he ended up in paradise with Abraham. You can read that account in Luke chapter 16. This is not a parable. This is a real story. We know that because parables are illustrations that do not mention the names of the characters. For instance, a certain man went down to Jericho, but they don't tell you the name of the person. In this story, we have two names. We have Lazarus and Abraham in paradise. So Jesus now had to descend after dying on the cross, went down. He descended, as the scripture says, before he ascended. And below him was paradise and Hades. Paradise was where there were millions of souls who had been waiting for him from the beginning of time. These people had lived their lives on earth in hope many of them guided by the commandments through Moses, but many simply by a good conscience. They were locked away from eternity in this place called paradise. We don't really designate a geographical place as such, but paradise and Hades are states of being. So they were locked away from eternity, these ones in paradise, till Jesus could now come and get them. Jesus would also visit Hades, the prison of lost hope. The Bible says that Jesus then preached to all those prisoners of time the message of the gospel, the plan of the Father to send Jesus into the world to set people free from the captivity of sin and to bring his new creation life to humanity. That was God's plan through Jesus. Jesus would have sat with Adam and Eve in paradise and Noah and Abraham and many others, as well as his new-found friend that had hung next to him on the cross and to whom he had said, today you will be with me in paradise. He spoke to them and he spoke with them and he rested with them. He was to wait there until the end of the third day. The mission of setting those people in paradise free was one of setting them free from the captivity of time, as they had waited as captives till heaven could come to get them. Many listened and heard his message of freedom at this time. Jesus also declared his work of salvation to those in Hades. Now they had resisted God and refused to listen to him. And that included all of those who were destroyed in the flood of Noah. And the scripture speaks of this moment about Jesus doing this very thing in 1 Peter 3. It says, he died once for the sins of all sinners, although he himself was innocent of any sin at any time, that he might bring us safely home to God. But though his body died, his spirit lived on. And it was in the spirit that he visited the spirits in prison and preached to them. Spirits of those who long before in the days of Noah had refused to listen to God, though he waited patiently for them while Noah was building the ark. Jesus would wait there until the end of the third day. John writes in the book of Revelation about the declaration of Jesus having received the keys of hell and death after his resurrection. So this is when this became relevant we read in revelation chapter 1, 17 jesus says fear not i am the first and the last i am he that lives and was dead and behold i am alive for evermore amen and i have the keys of hell and of death so he had the keys with one of the keys darkness be locked away and set aside for another encounter with God, reserved for an appointed day at the end of time. With the other key, he would now unlock the prisoners of the past from their patient pause in paradise and take them to an eternal heaven. That was a key of freedom. And when Jesus turned the key of freedom in that prison gate, a tremor hit the universe. Power from Father and Holy Spirit in heaven was released into and through Jesus to overcome death and the grave that changed the nature of every atom of matter in existence. God had joined himself to his own creation in the person of Jesus Christ. Our creator Jesus, who made everything in heaven and earth, both in the spirit world, And in the material world, brought together all things into oneness with himself, to be upheld by the word of the power of his resurrection. In Colossians chapter 1, it speaks of this. He is the beginning, the first born from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to bring all things into a state of harmony with himself, whether on earth or in heaven, bringing them into unity with himself by the blood of Jesus. This is the miraculous event of all things being brought into Christ. Prior to this moment, all created being was separate to the uncreated being of God. Jesus is now both created being and uncreated being and by his death and resurrection now set the stage for humanity to become a new creation being, one in spirit with the Lord. On the third day, the time came for them to leave and Jesus led them on a triumphant upward journey to their new home, his home, The entire company was escorted by Michael and Gabriel and the hosts of angels around them as they ascended ever upwards until they reached the earth from where they and Jesus most recently had just come. They're going from the grave to the sky. But they stopped at the earth for a brief period of time because there were things for Jesus to do there. And the first thing that Jesus had to do was to go to his tomb where his earthly body lay in the shroud. Michael and Gabriel flew before Jesus to the tomb and found the guards there that the temple priests had appointed to stand watch at the tomb. As the angels alighted to the ground, the earth shook and the massive stone rolled away as a huge burst of lightning hit the place, sending the guards reeling headlong to the ground. We read this in John chapter 20. The guards leapt up in fright and bolted. Jesus entered his tomb and united himself again to the wounded shell of his body, leaving the headpiece and shroud lying separated from one another. And they were left in the tomb. Michael and Gabriel waited inside the tomb while Jesus walked bodily From the temporary resting place out into the garden. He walked about recalling vividly the events that had so recently taken place nearby. He remembered his time of kneeling in an agony of prayer when he accepted his cup of unbearable suffering. At that same time some women had prepared oils and spices to anoint the body of Jesus and they were coming to the tomb. On their way there they were discussing the problem of how to move the huge stone that covered the entrance. But when they arrived, they were astonished to see that it had been moved and the guards were nowhere to be seen. They peered inside the tomb and they were met by the majestic appearance of two angels, Michael and Gabriel, sitting in the place where Jesus had been laying. Are you looking for Jesus? one of the angels said. He's come back to life as he said he would. Go and tell the disciples that he will be coming to see them and that they are to wait for him in Galilee. The women ran to tell the disciples, but one of them dropped behind and walked slowly through the garden, still confused and weeping. She almost collided with Jesus, who was also walking in the garden, and she apologised, not recognising him, thinking he was the gardener. This was Mary Magdalene. And he called her by her name and said, It's all right, Mary, it's me, it really is. She ran towards him. But he held up his hand and said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. That's in John 20, chapter 20, verse 27. Jesus made it clear that his immediate mission was to complete the work of purification for sin through blood sacrifice. Blood sacrifice had occurred for the last one and a half thousand years. Every year on the Day of Atonement, The high priest had sprinkled the blood of animal sacrifice over the mercy seat seven times in the most holy place for all of Israel to be ceremoniously cleansed from their sins. The phrase seven times in the Bible is always prophetic of the completion and finality of God's work of salvation in the earth. Jesus had just sprinkled his blood at Golgotha for the forgiveness of the sins of the whole earth for all time. An end had been made of blood sacrifice and now Jesus had to fulfill the offering of his blood to his Father in heaven as the scripture declares in in Hebrews chapter 9. He came as high priest of this better system that we now have. He went into that greater perfect tabernacle in heaven not made by men, nor part of this world. And once for all, he took blood into that inner room, the Holy of Holies, and sprinkled it on the mercy seat. But it was not the blood of goats and calves. No, he took his own blood. And with it, he, by himself, made sure of our eternal salvation. It's Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11. So Jesus would ascend to heaven and then return, come back to earth for 40 days. And he would meet with Mary Magdalene and many disciples. And it was going to be later that same day. A very strange thing was also happening in other parts of Jerusalem. At that time, hundreds of souls who had just accompanied Jesus from below and who had recently died were making the briefest of appearances to their loved ones, as the scripture attests. It says in Matthew chapter 27, And when the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, the earth shook and the rocks were split, the tombs also were opened. That happened when Jesus died on the cross. But the scripture goes on to say, without any pause, that they were raised up came out of the tombs after his resurrection. And they went into the holy city and appeared to many. So that was happening at this time, while Jesus had come from down below, back to the earth, taken his body back upon himself, and others were also that he'd brought with him, visiting friends and relatives in the city of Jerusalem. In the meantime, Jesus had to regroup with all those he had set free from paradise. The magnificent procession began to ascend in splendor with its escort of glorious angels from the grave to the sky. As their ascension took them closer and closer to the throne, a mighty voice could be heard proclaiming his majestic entrance. We read this in Psalm 24. Lift up your heads, O gates, O gates. Be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle. At this command, the heavenly music began. The sound of thousands of pipes, the voices of hundreds of harmonies, and the ascending range of stringed instrument created a majestic symphony. Jesus had come home and the Bible trumpets his victorious homecoming. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he sustains everything in the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the Majesty on high. That's from Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3. This was the moment. Purification for the sin of all mankind had been made. And now everything in the universe was integrated into his being of power. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 19 says, How powerful is that divine energy that comes from God to us when we simply believe that he is the creator and generator of this supernatural power which exploded into reality when he raised Jesus from the dead and took him into heaven to sit next to him at his right hand. This heavenly place and position took Jesus as God and man above every other force or realm of authority that can be named, whether on earth or in the heavens. And he has become the centre of all consequence and meaning in the universe. All the angels and all those who had come with Jesus on the upward journey beheld their king in his place of honour, and they joined in the magnificent celebration. His time in heaven for these celebrations was momentary, as he had left the tomb just before dawn and had to return to earth that same day, still bearing the marks of the cruel wreath of thorns when he was flogged, and the wounds to his hands and feet and side as he hung on the cross. He would now spend 40 days on earth, as a witness to his resurrection, to seal the plan of his Father and to see it implemented for the rest of time. So he's going back down to the earth after ascending to present the blood. and He'd go down to the earth for 40 days and at the end of those 40 days he would ascend again to heaven to begin his new mission upon the planet through the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit had accompanied Jesus every moment of his life on earth. He had joined himself to the human spirit of Jesus and had felt every feeling that Jesus had felt. he had known every one of his thoughts and he had communicated every thought from Father God to him. Those thoughts became words in the mouth of Jesus and spirit caused those words to have life and power to all those who heard Jesus speak. In this way, Holy Spirit had also experienced life within humanity on the earth. After those 40 days on the earth, Jesus returned to heaven. And 10 days after that, Jesus and Father sent the Holy Spirit to the earth on the day of Pentecost. Holy Spirit would become the bond between heaven and earth for all time. He would fall like rain from heaven upon the souls of mankind, seeking to awaken the spirit of humanity to the cosmic truth of what Jesus had done in joining mankind to God. This new creation being could walk in God's ways in the new law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Through grace and faith, humanity could win its struggle against the mindset of lostness and separation called the law of sin and death. And within the human pain of this struggle would be found the cry of the Holy Spirit, wrestling to join the minds and hearts of people to God. This struggle and wrestle would exist throughout time as the spiritual energy of God's love that would never cease its activity in the hearts of humanity. It would be the sign of the divine heart exercising its love in the subduing of human nature, that it might resonate with the nature of God. Whenever this truth would be embraced by a human heart, that heart would at last find itself at home, around the family table, where it was destined eternally to be. Thank you, Jesus, for bringing us to be together with you seated in the heavenly place, above all principalities and power, living out your life and your nature through our hearts that I have been joined as one to yours. Amen. To be continued.